Let's jump on our proverbial trampolines and get going. Jump. Scoot, jump, scoot. Jump. But keep your hands on the safety bar. You don't want your feet to go too high. to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. Hey, my name is Will, and joining me as always are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hello, guys. Guys. Hey, great to see you. Likewise. <laughs> and if you want to see more of John, be sure and check out his podcast, Gen X Grown Up. I guess you'd hear him there. But you could see him on his YouTube channel, which is called the Gen X Grown Up as well. Hey, but before we uh, do anything else, we're going to review Curtain. <laughs> Not before we do anything. This is what we're going to do before we turn the show, the mics off. Before we'll be we turn the mics show. off. And it will contain. We're going to review Curtain News stories related to 1980s media, including uh, Danny DeVito would like to toss another parent from public transit. Uh, <laughs> Axel F has got a score to settle again. It's the end of the world and wham know it? I don't know. Uh, Thou Shall Not Fear, the 1980s horror movie that's becoming a musical. Uh, oh. Now you got to be a real fan of that movie to get that reference. No? Mm-hmm. You would. Uh, yes, and so I, I didn't. <laughs> Therapy makes me feel good. Uh, one of the Ghostbusters needs a friend. Uh, oh, and the yes. 1989 song that is endangering an entire genre of music. Mm. Probably not really. Anyway, there's time codes in the show notes if you'd like to skip around. Hey, um, I think I think I think next week we should go live. Oh, okay. A quick announcement. Hey, join us uh, as we record our next uh, episode live. We're streaming uh, live on Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. Mm. And it requires twice the effort to do that. But you you're never going to be able to tell if you switched back and forth. You wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. tell that we're doing it twice. Twice. Period. End of sentence. But it's we're convincing. Gonna, yeah. We're going to do that on uh, Tuesday, December 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Unless Kat has anything better to do, <laughs> we will do it then. Duran Duran in town. Anything special going on? Yes. And Stay hey, tuned. And we're going to be talking <laughs> okay, about, yes. look, it's the end of the year. We're wrapping up. Home. We're getting to the end of the year, right? I can't wait for the, mm. I'm looking really looking for the holidays. Mm. Oh, John. Hey, oh, oh, John. Oh. Um, it's oh. the end of the year. I'm winding down. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so we're gonna look. We're just gonna make it nice and easy, right? We'll do our news. Mm-hmm. You made me skip the past, or maybe that's all you listen to, and then we'll just share some Christmas traditions or whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. holidays you guys s- s- celebrate. I don't know. I'm not gonna assume. And New Year's Eve, whatever stuff like that. It'll just open. and we're doing it live because we want to hear from you too in the chat, so we can share mm-hmm. your what you do as well. And I do have specific traditions from my family. Growing up, I did have I was I would say mm-hmm. fortunate enough to have very specific things we would eat and things we would do. Mm-hmm. In particular, when I was younger, you know, you kind of grow out of sort of hanging out with your family when you get older. You know, more with your friends or your partners, yes. that sort of thing. But anyway, mm-hmm. and I'd love to hear uh, what you what you did during those times as well. Okay. Cool. Are you sure? You'd love, you'd really love to hear it? <laughs> I, I don't know what you're suggesting. I, but I don't. I was thinking of you not being kind. And then you said that you would love to hear you, you mean our traditions. The, you mean and I was part thinking, of the does he really want to hear? Cut out. Oh. Because <laughs> it was confusing. You always forget that. <laughs> and now I'll cut out this part too. 
And Tennis now, Park. Or I got to oh, leave it shit, all here in. we go. And now people will think it's on the 20th. Oh, for crying out loud. December 19th, 7 p.m. Eastern. Facebook, YouTube, join us live. Thank you. All right, hey. Let's get caught up on 1980s news. Hey, uh, this week in 1980s news, as he told a GQ uh, magazine, Danny DeVito is developing a sequel to Throw Mama from the Train. Hmm. Huh. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in other 1980s news, <laughs> Axel is back. Oh. <laughs> All right, you want to hear about that? All right, I'll go back. I'll go back. Jump right over I Danny? Just, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Ever. All right, I'll tell oh, you. Yeah, jump. Jump. I'll jump. Jump. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it in his eyes. He's like, "Well, that part wasn't going to be in the show either." Well, but I guess now that's it the is. cold opening now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sometimes it's just how it works. I, just, oh, I, I saw in your like your face just kind of flush. You're like, oh. No, I've got to include that part. <laughs> I, so I adore Cat. I love Cat. Oh. You, you and I have different experience in Cat when it comes to performing. That we keep track of all these things. Cat is on the show because she's Cat, and so you still be Cat. You just be Cat. And I keep track of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your little notebook? Flip it open. Bullet point one, DeVito's trampoline not to talk about. It's Bullet point that. two. You can talk about anything you want, Kat. You can talk about anything you want. Seriously. No, I need to you make a list of what not to talk about. No, I don't want you doing administrative work during the show. <laughs> just just be present. That's good. That that You're being present by saying these things. That's great. So, look, I'll tell you what's going on with this, and you can tell me if you care. I love mm-hmm. Danny DeVito, by the way. I mean, oh, I love him. Pretty too. much, he can do anything. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that said, uh, I don't know that I'm all that interested in seeing the sequel. But this is what's happening. So, it's, DeVito is currently, a, by the way, as, an, as a side note, he stars in the longest running live action television comedy series of all time. Mm-hmm. Right now. Oh yeah. It's always wow. sunny in Philadelphia. Always sunny. Yeah. 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 Uh, but DeVito, uh, instead of uh, re- returning to television, at least at this very moment, he is returning to Broadway in the Roundabout Theater's production of I Need That, which is uh, running through the uh, end of the month. Shortly uh, before opening night, uh, the play opened on November 2nd, uh, GQ spoke with DeVito in his dressing room. When asked if there's anything he wants to revisit in his career, DeVito said, Billy Crystal and I want to work together again. We were looking at possibly doing Throw Papa from the Train. <laughs> did you guys care for the did you see throw mama from the train i'm mm-hmm. not sure that i did i it was like yeah. it felt like it was that era when i just saw everything yeah because i was too. always going to the movies i agree yeah. and i yeah. just it's like there's eight things to see and i've seen the other seven yeah. it's not like i was dying <laughs> to see throw mama from the train but it was devito yep. and it was a comedy and it was at the theater and i'm sure i saw it at the theater and I didn't think much of it. And then I watched the trailer for it today and I'm like, well, now I've got to go watch it because oh, the, really? the trailer is basically one scene okay. and the, like they did have some chemistry, the two of them. So, I mean, it, it made me, you know, 20% more likely to see the sequel now that I've seen the trailer mm. for the first one. Cause it maybe I want to see it too. I want, I want to, if I ever yeah. did see it, I want to rewatch it. 
<laughs> I probably never saw it. <laughs> you, you, you remind me, I think, and look, I saw it in a theater, like you said, and then I rented it when it came out. So that, that was that mm -hmm, era maybe. where you just, it, there was just a cycle. You just cycled through yeah, everything yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. um, right. But um, I think the reason I didn't care for it is my expectations. So, you know, Billy Crystal, I loved at the oh. time. who was hilarious. was mm -hmm. in a lot of, you know, comedies uh, leading up to that. Loved his stand-up work. Danny DeVito, of course, a big fan at the time. I mm -hmm. think the film was, uh, you know, um, what's, what, out of its time or ahead of, ahead of its time. I think the film was ahead oh. of its time in a sense because I, I was used to seeing some dark movies, you know, uh, dark comedies, even, you know, like Terry yeah. Gilliam's films, that sort of thing, absurdist movies. But I wasn't expecting that from these two guys. And that's kind of what we got is a, a dark comedy because it's, a, it's about mm -hmm. them murdering each other's, you know, significant people in, in their lives. And right. I didn't know what to make of that. And I think that's why it wasn't a laugh out loud, funny type of movie. It was kind of a cringy, but I do think <laughs> I might appreciate that more today. You probably laugh out loud yeah. uproariously. It's kind of now, a, right? kind of a, like a extra funny Fargo, right? It's like about genuine crime yeah. taking place, mm -hmm. but it's a little tongue in cheek, right? Yes. It's not. Yes. Like they are planning actual murder. It's not right. like, would it be funny if, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. And, and Fargo in the sense that the, the, the criminals are, you know, buffoons and often yes. sort of yeah, right. up the crime. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think it probably would play better today, but mm -hmm. uh, not only did DeVito star in the 1987 comedy uh, alongside Crystal and Ann Ramsey, but he also directed the film, which I had forgotten. Oh mm, yeah. Okay. And Ramsey, who, who you'll also remember from the Goonies, who was the head of the Fratelli yes. uh, crime family, was nominated for Academy <gasps> and Golden Globe Awards for her performance. And I'm not surprised about that. Why are you pointing to yourself? I remember her from the Goonies. John does not. I don't. Ah, yes, 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 yes. The perennial. Yes. Interestingly, I just learned about this. Irving Gordon, a composer who wrote the hit 1950 song, Mama from the Train, brought oh. a lawsuit against Orion for using his <laughs> song's title. What? His, his mama <laughs> is- Please explain. What? Yeah, so the movie's <laughs> coming out and this guy had this hit song in the 1950s, so 30 years earlier. His song is uh -huh. Mama, M-A-M-A, -A, from the train. It's not about tossing a, a parent <laughs> from a moving uh, right. vehicle. It's not about that. Well, his, his mama uh, was born and raised on the train? Oh, my mama's from the train. Or is it a hobo lover? Like, my mama from the train. <laughs> my, my hobo lover. That is, that is one hot hobo mama from the train. Yes. That was an alternate title. Alternate titles, you're suggesting. No, so, uh, so mm -hmm. he, he learns this film's going to come out, it seems, with the same name or similar name. Throw similar. Mama from the Train. And at the mm -hmm. time, the film was called Throw Mama, M-A-M-A. -A. Uh -huh. So even though they're not, really? uh, you know, they're different media, mm -hmm. uh, slightly different names, mm -hmm. he, threatened, he, he threatens a law, he, he uh, files a lawsuit against Orion, the filmmakers. Before it ever gets to trial, they settle out of court. Uh, it was reported that Orion paid him some undisclosed amount, although some folks believe it was as much as $100,000. And ultimately, the film changed its title or the spelling of its title to M O M M A. Gotcha. Right. Although, okay. although it's not documented anywhere that I could find that the name was changed as part of this settlement with uh, Gordon. People file a lawsuit over anything, won't they? Yeah, because you, you can. <laughs> I mean, you really can. Uh. Right? And just see what happens. 
Uh, additionally, uh, within, during his interview with GQ, uh, DeVito reiterated the defunct status of the uh, sequel to 1988's Twins, saying, <laughs> we missed Twins 2 because Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor, which he should have done Twins 2 instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. <laughs> regarding that sequel, which was to be called Triplets, you'll recall that and we talked about this earlier this year, that Schwarzenegger told The Hollywood Por- Reporter in May that, quote, Jason Reitman fucked it up. <laughs> oh, right. Goodness. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah. He goes on to explain that everybody was excited about it, including Jason's father, Ivan Reitman, who directed the original film, as well as Ghostbusters and Stripes mm-hmm, and a number mm-hmm. of other wonderful, iconic comedies. But when mm-hmm. he passed away, Jason said, you know, I never really cared for this idea and just and just killed it. That's a sequel I would much prefer to see over Throw Papa from mm-hmm. the Train. Uh, yeah, well, look, I don't yeah. know if this will ever get anywhere, but what is it about? He wants to, first of all, these guys' parents have died of natural causes at this point. Yes. I think both of these gentlemen are in their 80s or near, or, or you know, approaching it rapidly. I've got mm-hmm. it. Put me in the yeah. writer's room. Writer's room. Okay. Let's hear it. This is a redemption story. Yes. He's going to he's going to take his father's ashes, who he wanted to be thrown oh. from a train at some location. So it's oh, a redemption story of them doing a good thing for their family after oh. attempting to oh. matricide earlier. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, okay. Your idea is and, and wasn't it? What was it? It was it was DeVito's mom. But it right. was Crystal's mm-hmm. wife ex-wife. or something? Yeah, ex-wife. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, yeah. Maybe yeah. one of them is the papa being thrown from the <laughs> that's train. What I, that's what I'm thinking. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Like one's going to throw right. the other off right. a train or no, like, like or a, their, their kids are trying to throw them off the train? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, yes. So, Don't make that one of trying to thwart the murder. Thwart. The urge to murder like is, is carried through mm-hmm. generationally. Yes. <laughs> Serial killers. I learned it from watching you. Right. All aboard. Hey, uh, and speaking of iconic and 1980s comedies, Eddie Murphy is back in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got our first trailer for Beverly Hills Cop, Axel F., the latest installment in Murphy's beloved classic action comedy franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actor comedian, now 62, returns as Detective Axel Foley in the upcoming sequel. Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched mm-hmm. a trailer? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, indeed. A couple times. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Hopeful, uh, no, not going to watch it. Looked like a trailer for a movie that wasn't ready to make a trailer. <laughs> okay. They had one scene of a car race with Murphy driving a truck, and they used that a lot. <laughs> you know, he's driving a truck and knocking a door off a police car. He's driving a truck and punching a guy in the face. He's driving a truck. It's like they had that scene shot. Right. But the best part of the trailer was easily in the last 10 seconds, oh, where you definitely. see the characters inside the car digging on yeah. each other. Yeah. Yes. How many people are you yes. pissed off? Oh, I'm pissed anybody off like mm-hmm. 50 50. Is that high? Hmm, huh? It's that banter. That was, I rewound <laughs> that and watched it like 10 times. The rest of the trailer, I watched twice. Yeah. I agree. And what I thought was cool about that, well, a couple yeah. things. I think one thing you, you're burying the lead here, right? Because in that scene, we've got the return mm-hmm. of John Ashton and uh, Judge Reinhold as their characters <laughs> from the original yes. first yep. films. Yeah. And we knew they were coming back, though, didn't we? We, have, we had news on yes. that some time ago. Yeah. It was I a feel like we here. talked about that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were set photos and then it was announced that they would be back. Yes. Oh, and, and when I saw that scene that you mentioned, John, it reminded me that we also talked about how some of the dialogue in the original film between the two cops, those two, mm-hmm. the two mm-hmm. Beverly Hills cops, was a result of some improvisation that Judge Reinhold and John Ashton did during their auditions. Mm-hmm. And oh, that scene yeah. felt very loose and kind of just, Didn't it? just yes. like old friends mm-hmm. teasing each other. It did. That's, that's probably why I went to watch it over and over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it turns out, uh, yes. director Mark Mark Malloy said that quote some of the funniest moments in, in in the film are when Eddie's improvising, 
For me, a big uh, part of my job was to create the right environment, cast the right people around Eddie to allow him what he do, does best, end quote. Yeah. That said, I hope they have a good script too. <laughs> right. Not just a bunch of funny ad-libbing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, there are films that are made in that way and they rarely, rarely ever are good. I'm wondering if this movie is why Judge Reinhold uh, wasn't considered for the voice of Garfield. I'm sorry, I'm busy. Yeah. He was too busy. Could be, yeah. With this movie. <laughs> uh, in this, uh, the, in the upcoming sequel, we're told that uh, after Axel Foley's daughter's life is threatened, she, played by Taylor Page, and Foley team up with a new partner, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Hmm. Uh, Axel also reteams with his pals, Billy Rosewood and John Taggart, played by the two actors we mentioned earlier, to turn up the heat and uncover a conspiracy. Ooh. The original 1984 film was, of course, a box office smash that shot Murphy to international stardom. He had films mm-hmm. right around this, you know, in this pocket of the mid to early 1980s and, and beyond mm-hmm. that just launched him from a, just a, you know, again, a really solid, wonderful player on Saturday Night Live, which was uh, I think he was surrounded by folks that were probably not as talented as he, but international <laughs> stardom uh, after these oh, yeah. films. Yeah. I remember seeing excerpts of him on the Johnny Carson show, like around this time. Yeah. And you could tell he was still getting used to it. You know, it, the, the fame oh. the Beverly Hills cop had just come out. And I think, uh, was there another cop cop? 40, movie? 48 hours. 48 hours. Thank you. 48 hours. Yeah. Also was right. Had just happened. Yeah. And, yes. uh, and he was talking about like, yeah, and I got all these other movies set up and I got to go do this. And everybody wants my time. And what like he, what, he wasn't used to being a superstar yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though he had already <laughs> had a level of notoriety and fame, he had not yet ka-chunk taken that next big leap. And it, right. watching that, you saw him right on that edge. And it was it was awesome to see because it was because was he 20, 21 or something? He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, when he, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine. Did he talk about best defense? I don't think it came up. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, we could do a whole episode and we should on that film. It's so bizarre. And they brought him in oh. to try to save it. And that's one of those where they probably just let Murphy ad lib and it didn't save the day. Right. Because <laughs> yes. they didn't have a good script to start with. Yeah. But they offered him so much money. He, he, he agreed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, last month, Murphy told people that continuing Foley's story for de- four decades after the character made his big screen debut was rough at times. Saying, quote, it was a hard one. I did Axel Foley when I was in my 20s. Oh, there you go, John. Mm -hmm. I'm not in my 20s anymore. It was an action movie, so it was a rough one, but we got through it, end quote. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Bless his heart. Now, also, I I think encouraging, you know, it's a little, it's certainly fan servicey, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's, doesn't mean it'll be bad necessarily, but we also see Paul Reiser in the trailer, who was in the original Mm -hmm. films, in Mm -hmm. Bronson Pinchot. Your appearances raised some questions. It seems like Paul Reiser is now the uh, chief inspector replacing Gil Hill, who created the, I think he, I think Gil Hill in the original film created that uh, uh, trope of the angry <laughs> police chief, you know, because he's just screaming yeah. at Axel all the time. I think, yeah. I think he was the, f- I think he was born out of his portrayal of the character. Um, and then Bronson Pinchot happens to be driving by in a car, his search character. Yeah. I don't know. That one makes me nervous a little bit. Yeah. Did I see Kevin Bacon in there too? You yes. did. I thought yes, so. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin uh-huh. Bacon joins the cast and it seems like he's also playing a police officer, although you get the vibe that he's probably the bad guy, right? He's, yeah, he seems like he's not putting up with uh, yeah, Axel's He looks very bacon Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of oily and just fried. <laughs> kind of wiggly. And <laughs> well, the more in the way that he can have that. I mean, yes, he was oily probably, but the way that Kevin Bacon can have that like simmering evil underneath his kind of boyish good looks, 
He does a good job of that. Mm, yeah. Simmering. Yeah. You know, the way you simmer bacon. Uh, yes. <laughs> so the film's going to come out next next summer, which would be the, will be the 40th okay. anniversary of the film. Can Axel still have been be a detective, you know, over 30 years, 40 years later? Is that a thing? He's a consultant. He retired by now? Oh, okay, consulting. That's, yeah. how, that's how they always solve it. You think he right. would have retired? Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one concerned that this is direct to Netflix, though? Oh, I was so curious about that. Is it not going to be in a movie theater? No. Or is that not a big deal anymore? Maybe net, Maybe going straight to streaming doesn't have the, the stigma that it used to any longer. I don't think it does. But still, I would think that Eddie Murphy would be yeah, a, yeah. on the big screen. Yeah, I, I'm really surprised that it's not going to be in a theater. His coming to America oh. also was straight mm-hmm. on yeah. Netflix, right? right? Really? Yeah, or Paramount, one of those, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, uh-huh. he, has, he must have got like a four or five picture deal because he also, he a couple films before that even, mm-hmm. when he did his comeback. Huh. Yeah, maybe that's the, the case. But, but it doesn't have that stigma. Like, remember, go to see a Disney movie. All right. Let's go yeah. see a Disney movie, direct to video. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Couldn't get the actors back to do the cartoon voice. There's always something in a direct to video. And I think for a while, direct to streaming meant that, but I don't think it does anymore. Yeah, I think it changed during the pandemic, right? I mean, there was well, a period. For sure. There was sort mm-hmm. of a period where it was still like that. But by, I think by the end, we came out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we had some of those uh, HBO shows or those Max shows, yes. whatever it was called at the time, drop simultaneously mm-hmm. or only on them. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think, I think we're past that. And I, I can't think of an example, but I feel like I've seen even recently a Netflix show, certainly Apple movies. There, yeah. there, there are streamers yeah. mm-hmm. out there that put stuff that's, it's, it's the level and quality of something you mm-hmm. see in the theater. I feel a little bad because if it's really good, you might be deprived of seeing, you know, him in a truck over and over again on the big screen. <laughs> there are probably other scenes, I'm hoping. But it's great to see those action uh, scenes play out on a larger than yeah. life. Don't you think it's a combination? I, don't, I think they met in the middle. I think the reputation of streamers came up and the mm-hmm. reputation yeah. of cinema came down. And they've somehow met mm-hmm. in the middle to where kind of doesn't matter where they go now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with regard, to, we've got reviews with for the trailer even. Just the trailer, there's reviews. Hmm. People See. Magazine says thrilling. Ah. Oh, <laughs> thrilling trailer? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. So much truck, A++, says <laughs> Freightliner Corporation. <laughs> these are, <laughs> look, these are real. These are real. Uh, I looked at these from real headlines. Okay. okay. <laughs> IGN, action-packed. A, a truck a minute. <laughs> Detroit Free Press. Gives nod to Detroit. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's on his jacket. They, they also gave it an A plus for accurately portraying Detroit weather in a scene that's supposed to be at a Michigan airport. Wait, what? <laughs> it's so Detroit specific. There we go. <laughs> the Detroit Free Press. They couldn't uh, think of anything to say about the trucks. I, I, they just ignored the trucks. <laughs> Yeah. It's all from the lens of this characters from Detroit, you know. <laughs> anyway, all right. Hey, uh, also uh, this week in 1980 news, as reported by Vulture. <laughs> so the Bible foretells that four horsemen will herald the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you guys. I'm changing the format of the show. I forgot to tell you. Those were the two last 1980s pop culture stories. Okay, right. Um, mm-hmm. And now and we're talking end of the now? world. Now we're doing biblical analysis. Well, wham, you've surprised me. Well, add another. <gasps> nice, John. We'll add another wow. rider to death, war, famine, and pestilence, George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see this coming. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what animal would he ride? Huh. Mm. 
Oh. Give it some I thought. Think. You get one vote. What's it going to be? Okay. George Michael? The first thing that comes to mind, and it's not, it's, it's still it's still a horse, but I think it's all white with a really long flowy mane. Okay. Mm. All right. A Pegasus. Oh. Mythical? You're going mythical? You guys are super yeah. horsey. Yeah. I was thinking like a, I was, I was thinking like a white tiger. Like, I think that's okay. what George oh. Michael would ride in on. Yeah, yeah that's you know? a good one too. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. loud tiger. Mm-hmm. So this year, to save themselves from tears, thousands are trying to avoid Wham's perennial hit last oh. Christmas. It's a game called Whamageddon that I've never heard of this before till this year. Really? You're not going to play the sample, right? You're not going to do that to us. You're notorious <laughs> for playing samples. I just... <laughs> Just I wanted to it. talk to you about that, about the morality of it. We, we could talk about yes. that. Yes. Okay, moment. go ahead. I just, just don't catch us right, by no, surprise no, no. here. Because so yeah, far, I'm, I'm clean so far. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> I'm clean. <laughs> Kat, have you ever heard of this game? I heard of this uh, possibly possibly last year for the first time. Okay. Um, maybe before that. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious. A couple I years ago, I heard of it. Heard of it last yeah, year. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the first year I heard of it, I was yeah. out like that. Yeah. And then the second year, I did okay, and then it was played on the radio. And so far, I'm clean this year. Okay. Anyway, continue. So, yeah. Sorry. For folks who don't know what we're talking about, it's a game called Whamageddon. It's, apparently, it's been happening for 18 years since a Danish mm. man named Thomas Mertz and friends started noticing the song everywhere, presumably oh. around this time of year. Uh, mm-hmm. According oh, yeah. to Mertz's Whamageddon website, which which had over 500,000 visitors last year. The rules are as follows. One, the objective is to go as long as possible without hearing Wham's cla- Christmas classic, Last Christmas. Mm-hmm. Two, the game starts on, on December 1st and finishes at the end of December 24th. Mm-hmm. That's very considerate. So you can listen to it on Christmas. You're fine. And mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. after that, you probably, your interest wanes. Uh, <laughs> rule number three, only the original version is applies covers are fine and this is uh reading from their website enjoy the shit out of remixes and covers <laughs> right so if will would like to acapella for us right now that's cool oh, just don't be playing a sample of the original that's all the, uh, and the fourth rule is you're out as soon as you recognize the song mm-hmm. <laughs> so even if i were to play just like a you know our two tenths of a second if you recognize it you'd be out it's right and if we didn't know, we're safe. Knowing you guys, you'd be fine. You'd be fine. Oh, even, if I, even considering this whole segment, you'd still want to get it. All right, whatever. Oh. With regard to a PVP, you know, player versus player, they say, while mm-hmm. we can't stop you from deliberately sending your friends to Whamhalla, <laughs> the intention is that it's a survival game. So not a battle royale. So don't be a dick. <laughs> we can all win. No one must lose for you to win. That's the point. Right. You know, right. It, it, it reminds me of what Chris Butler used to do with regard to uh, the waitress's uh, Christmas mm. song, which of course is, you know, among my favorite Christmas Your songs favorite. of all time. Your yeah. favorite. Uh, Christmas rapid. He would, mm-hmm. if you were the first person to contact him when you heard it out in the wild, so not at home, uh-huh. or not by mm-hmm. choice, he would send you oh. 50 bucks, I think it was, what it was. What it was. <gasps> oh, man. So you were the first one to message him. Sweet. I just heard this at the grocery store or whatever. He'd send you $50. Uh-huh. I don't think he does that anymore. But You don't think he does that anymore. And yeah. the guy, regarding the gentleman who started this game, uh, he, he, it turns out he has no personal vendetta against the song. He said, quote, it's just a funny little thing that a couple of idiots from Denmark did to entertain themselves during Christmas. End quote. Uh, well. It's going to be hard to avoid, though, guys, because Last Christmas is currently number one uh, on the UK singles chart and number five on the Hot 100 in the US. Oh. That's okay. 
I don't yeah. listen to radio that adheres yeah. to any of these charts. So, huh. All right, but you're doing Christmas shopping at a Target or a Walmart. That, you're not that's worried? how I'm going to get hit. That it's going to yeah. be that I'm, I'm out. It's on Muzak or something. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the risk. Yeah. It's not going to be in my car. <laughs> There's no prize or anything, right? But it's funny how competitive we can be about these things. Well, it's, yeah, it's stuff. I know people who play this fervently and I see mm. them confess on Facebook because yeah. there's a big honesty mm-hmm. uh, policy. Oh, self-reporting. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And even one of our loyal listeners, Craig, he, I, last week or the week before, he's like, man, I got wham today. You were <laughs> oh, not. He was. Are you kidding? Okay, that's funny. <laughs> yes. Uh. I have to confess, though. Yeah. I mm-hmm. kind of love being whammed because <laughs> I love this song. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> that is such a sound drop now, John. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to have it as a separate podcast. Cats Confessions. I kind of love being whammed. <laughs> Tune in next week to hear more of Cats Confessions. Oh, next week, she'll be boing boinged. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I think you're allowed you. to like the song. And yeah. also mm-hmm. like yes. playing this game. Yeah, sure. <laughs> true, true. That is I, true. I would think of it like, I, I'm agnostic about the song. It's fine. I don't need it. If it disappeared, I wouldn't cry, but it's okay. The point is, if you like oh. it, I, waiting to hear it on Christmas, well, then just, it's another gift to open for you, Kat. Wait for it for yes. Christmas Day. Uh, anticipating uh, things or yeah. uh, waiting is definitely mm-hmm. a, a kind of a virtue. Yeah. See? Well, John asked yeah. me uh, whether or not I was going to, you know, play the clip because that was yeah. anybody who heard the show, especially in the <laughs> John's reaching for his earbud to pull it out. I have my fingers on my I'm not, earbud. I'm not playing. My hands are up. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm not. I'm not playing the game. I just record, want to hear the song. Regarding yeah. uh, regard <laughs> the thing being spoiled earlier this month, a DJ dropped the song during a Northampton Town soccer match in England, mm-hmm. saying, "Quote: It would be. He, he thought it would be quote quite funny to wipe out seven thousand people." <laughs> End quote. <laughs> Instead, he was met with attacks and disappointments from, from those they that were, were there. furious. <laughs> they were the fervent players. Ultimately leading to uh, Matt Facer, the DJ, to officially apologize to everyone whose, quote, Christmas I've ruined, end quote. Really? <laughs> ruined it? My uh, gosh. People took to social media to let, them, let him know how they felt. Although he says probably worse things were said uh, during uh, his appearance there at the stadium. Um, (laughs) And another unidentified DJ clearly didn't learn from uh, Facer's uh, (laughs) Miss uh, Faux Pas here. Because this DJ at a bigger soccer game on December 10th sent 60,000 attendees to Whamhalla when he played the verboten song during a match between Arsenal women and Chelsea women. So Will, if you play a clip, you could get more than that. Yes, I could, I could, Kat, I could. (laughs) Oh, 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 John's ready. Now, John, if I play the song or a piece of it, which I'm not going to do, because I don't want people to turn the show off or hate the show, you would be out. But I can yeah. play a remix of it. So I'm going to play right. my favorite remix of it. <laughs> it's, it's somehow worse. Wait, it gets even better. <laughs> Here comes the drop. <laughs> anyway, there you go. All right, so go, I think I'm more yeah. likely to avoid that. <laughs> well, you know, but you get a little taste so you don't have to lose. That's true. All right. As reported by Variety in our latest segment of... You gotta be fucking kidding. The Lost Boys is being made into a musical. 
And we've learned about a lot of our, 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 our properties being turned into musicals, right? I mean, The Outsiders, right. we just talked about that. Yes. We reminded folks that The Karate Kid is coming to Broadway as a musical. Yes. Huey Lewis, yes. Huey Lewis's catalog from the 1980s is be turned into a musical. Mm-hmm. Yes. So far, yeah. all those, you know, I guess I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't judge because ultimately I think those were, I don't know about The Outsiders. Mm. All right, whatever. Here yeah. we go. Anyway, the show, the, the Lost Boys show will feature music from The Rescues a band that, uh, with, uh, uh, with which I'm not familiar, and will be directed by Michael right. Arden. David Hornsby, who is an actor, writer, and producer on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia oh. and Mythic Quest, and Chris uh. Hoke or Hutch will handle the book. That's probably the most surprising thing to me. David Hornsby, I'm a fan of his. He's great on the show, and he's a great behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. guy on, the, on the It's Always Sunny. That gives okay. me some hope about And the book, for folks who don't know, that's, that's what's spoken in a musical. It mm-hmm. also usually includes the lyrics in the musical. Okay. He's a clever guy and a funny guy. Maybe he's involved to keep it somewhat lighthearted and tongue in cheek and not take itself too seriously. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But uh, and Tony Award nominee, Ethan Pop, who uh, worked on Tina, the Tina Turner musical, speak about, again, folks from the 1980s yeah. musicals. Right on. Will yeah. serve as a music supervisor for the production. The Rescues, I had to look it up. They're an American rock band from LA who formed just in 2008. Uh, okay. And their music is classified as indie pop rock. I listened to some of their songs and they, I don't know, for me, I would have buzzed them because they're kind of very downbeat, all of them. Well, that, I guess, kind of fits with the theme (laughs) of the movie. Yeah. I feel like that's only just one element, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, even we had that, you know, I was alluding to Cry Cry Little Sister when I I talked about Thou Shalt Not Fear. Mm -hmm. That song is kind of a certain mood and vibe that's kind of like that, but there's some other element to it. You know, it seems... Like something's lurking, some sort of darkness lurking. Something's coming. There's, I don't know. Listening to their music just made me feel down. Well, I was going <laughs> to give them a listen and I ran out of time. Time in your life? <laughs> you could listen to them later. <laughs> Are you telling us something? No, 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 no. She's not like out of time with a capital O out of time. No, she's just <laughs> leading up oh. to this Yay. recording out of time. <laughs> so many things she'd hoped to do with her life. Oh, but she yeah. had to record this show. In- including to listening to the rescues, apparently. <laughs> Regard, regarding the source material, the, the original 1987 film of The Lost Boys was based on a story by James Jeremias and Jan, Janice, Roberta, Janice Roberta Fisher. Uh, and of course, it was directed by Joel Schumacher and produced by Richard Donner. It follows two teenage brothers who move with their divorced mother to the fictional town of Santa Carla, California, only to discover that one, what does he, what does he say at the end? One thing I always hated about Santa Carla. Too many goddamn vampires. Oh. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, the film, by the way, was originally set to be directed by Donner. Uh, and, and Fisher and uh, Jeremiah's screenplay was modeled on Donner's then recent hit, The Goonies. Um, and it was envisioned more of a juvenile vampire adventure with the leads being 13 and 14 years old. The With the Frog Brothers being eight-year-old Cub Scouts. So everybody got sort of, you know, Scooch down on the age uh, mm-hmm. age range there, um, <laughs> but when Adoner was committed to other projects and left it, Jill and Jill and Schumacher came in. Uh, he uh, it was his idea to uh, make it sexier and more adult and darker and edgier. Oh, and he <laughs> oh brought goodness. on a screenwriter Jeffrey Bohm to uh, retool the script. Mm. Of course, this film I think there's probably a direct lineage to from Twilight and mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all the the films that and TV shows that followed in the '90s and beyond. Yeah. To this, probably the first contemporary retelling of a 
Dracula type story. And probably added more mullets when he took over to <laughs> age them up. Yes. For better or for That's worse. Right. I say for better. I say for better. You do. We're still waiting on those photos, John. I guess. <laughs> are we? No, they're we out are. There. That's right. We did talk about how uh, Kiefer Sutherland seems to have brought the mullet in, ushered the mullet in with that. I, I think we said back then, Sutherland in the front, Schumacher in the back. Schumacher Was in the back? Was it Schumacher in the back? <laughs> I think so. Because he told him to keep the long hair. Right, because Sutherland wanted to sh- cut it and Schumacher okay. wanted to leave it long. And so he yeah. compromised. And so it was Sutherland in the front. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we have yet, I think, to find an earlier uh, example of a mullet. Mm-hmm. Of the mullet. Or media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll hold off on, on this one, I guess. It, it could be good. It has the, the level of drama, I suppose, necessary for mm-hmm. a musical, right? You have to have a certain yeah. emotional heights, mm-hmm. you know, stakes, I suppose. Stakes, mm-hmm. no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> so it's yeah. possible. And the right I mean, I love- could be good. Anything as a musical, I tend to like. And so I'm really more concerned about what it does to the Lost Boys than whether or not the show itself is good, you know, hmm. because generally, even like so-so musicals, I dig. Yeah. It's even live, especially live. It's just, sure. yeah. just like I go in and kind of, like you're gritting your teeth, like, don't mess it up, you know, <laughs> whereas oh. otherwise, if it was a play, clean slate, if it's just called Vampire Bay, and you go, yeah. oh, they're going to do a story about vampires. That's going to be fun. Well, now you have to play, but it's treading on the ground of something but. sacred. But mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. would say. so if post previews, they changed their name to vampire Bay. We know what happened. Then I'm going to sue them. <laughs> they were messing. They put me in the writer's room without they even putting me in the something. writer's room. Hey, you know, it just occurred to me. They, they may have vampires flying on stage there. You know, at the end, there's a climactic mm-hmm. battle where, oh, yeah. uh, you know, vampires mm-hmm. are flying and fighting there. And, yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't, the way they did, they did it cleverly, the way they shot it, the way Schumacher shot, shot it, where it was kind of like uh, Jaws in the sense that you don't see the threat, you know, throughout the yeah. film. They do angles where you see it from the perspective of the vampire. So the flying, so it also obviously saved on super effects uh, so budget and stuff like it'll that. It'll become uh, the Lost Boys turn off the dark then? Is that what you're saying it's going to uh, yeah, be? <laughs> uh, there's a danger that. Yeah. Although I guess the vampires right. would want to keep the dark on. Oh, I am. Turn off. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Turn yes. on the dark is what we're going to be. Turn on the dark. Bleh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens. I, 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 don't, I don't know when that's coming, so it's probably a ways off. Um, where? Oh, here we go. Hey, in other 1980s news, mm-hmm. as reported uh, by Ghostbusters News, Ray Stans is resentful. Mm. So uh, in a recent episode of Dana Carvey and David Spade's Fly on the Wall podcast, uh, the comedians spoke with fellow Saturday Night Live alum Dan Aykroyd about next year's Ghostbuster sequel, Frozen Empire. Mm-hmm. When they pressed the uh, tight-lipped writer-actor for details on the film's plot, Aykroyd would only say, quote, an entity is found in a psychometrically charged object. <laughs> love Dan Aykroyd and his absolute commitment to this. Yes. I mean, I'm a Bigfoot fan, right? I love the paranormal and goofy crap uh-huh. like that. I love mm-hmm. that he has not shied away from this. Like you'd think the more famous he got or as he got more famous, mm-hmm. he would kind of like distance himself. He's like, nope, right. all in. I love it. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. For folks who don't know, he is a fourth generation uh, paranormal investigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. He not only yep. did he write Ghostbusters films, but before that, uh, the, the super fat, the, the fascination with supernatural and his family goes back starting with his great grandfather mm-hmm. wow. who passed it on to his grandfather, passed it on to his yeah. father and his yeah. father mm-hmm. then in turn passed it on to, to him and his, you know, his brother. 
Uh, uh. In fact, his father wrote a book called History of Ghosts. Oh my gosh. That's so uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> now I had, look, I'm not like Dan Aykroyd, so he knows about these things off the top of his head. He is Ray Stans. <laughs> I mean, he is Ray Stans in yeah, many regards. Yeah, that's my impression. Oh, yes. So I had to Google psychometry. Um, mm -hmm. And this says it's a type of extrasensory perception that allows the reader to glean information about the history of an object by coming into contact with it. So you touch and you know, we've seen this in films. You touch something sure. and suddenly, I can mm -hmm. see how this rock was used to murder the president. Or whatever. <laughs> I can see how they shoved mama from the train. Yes. <laughs> I can see that I touched the train. Touch the train. Touch the train. <laughs> I touched the whole train. Choo, 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 choo. <laughs> It wasn't moving at the time. Oh. He says there's an, oh. there's an entity found. It's kind of layered then, you know? It feels a little mm -hmm. hat on a hat to me. There's an mm. entity found inside of a psychometrically charged object. So you touch it, you know it's history. Also, by the way, there's a demon or a ghost, mm -hmm. poltergeist that's huh. living it's in It's in that realm that connects mm -hmm. you to somehow, maybe, is what I read. Oh, yeah. yeah. I trust yeah. him. I mean, with regard to that, those movies yeah. have always been good with the lore and the world building. Even oh, the yeah. most recent one, which, you know, I had read he had a hand in saying that, you know, Jason Reitman, who made that film, you know, you want to go bigger on this, smaller on this, you know, with regard to mm -hmm. that type of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, Aykroyd's largest revelation on the on the Fly on the Wall podcast, however, maybe his comments regarding the return of his character, Ray Stans, oh. uh, revealing this time around that Stans is, quote, kind of resentful. I do the enthusiastic, wants yeah. to believe everything, kind of resentful that things mm -hmm. have passed him mm -hmm. by. Because he's no longer licensed. All right, end quote, whatever. But so I, I don't know what he's talking about here. And obviously we don't because we haven't seen the film yet, but we saw mm -hmm. the film before. Now yeah. he still mm -hmm. has the bookshop, Raise a Cult. Yes. Right. And we learned that Winston Zeddemore has been keep paying the rent for him to keep this thing afloat in, you know, I think it's like lower mm -hmm. Manhattan. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There is no Ghostbuster. So what was he cut out of? I don't know. It's, it sounds um, like there's going to be a character in this that's like, you know, a corporation that somehow took mm. the trade, they didn't trademark it or something mm. and gets it right out well, from underneath them. And what I read into was from a quote a little bit later in the article. Um, yeah. I wish I'd heard the podcast. I need to go check out the podcast. But mm -hmm. in the article, it says also that there is a uh, a passing of the torch or something, I'm paraphrasing, right. to the younger actors, to the younger people. Yes. And so right. I read his description then in a different texture in that maybe he's resentful of these younger people taking over and maybe he comes around mm -hmm. to accept it at some point. That was kind of, oh, it's like, this is okay. my thing. Ghostbusters is my thing. Yeah, we came right. and helped you, but it's not yours. And maybe now they're trying to make it their own. And he's mm. resentful of that because he mentions the Ghostbusters and not a part of it being cut out. That's how I kind of read right. it. Now again, I wasn't in the writer's room, much to my chagrin, but that that's, that's <laughs> how I read it. Yeah. I agree, John. I kind of, that's how I felt when I read that part. Mm -hmm. It's more about- oh, these things are still happening and it's so exciting and other people are doing them and he's just not uh, not as involved right. as he would like to be. You see younger people living your life. Well, yeah. it, it concerns me a little bit because it reminds me somewhat of the how they portrayed the Luke Skywalker character in, what was it, The Last Jedi? You know, where it wasn't that he was resentful that younger people were taking over, but he was resentful about the whole concept of the Jedis at that point, it seemed like. Sure. Right. So yeah. it's just kind of a bummer to see this hero of ours from an earlier film be so downtrodden and, you know, shitting all over the thing that we still love. All right, you <laughs> moved on, but we're moving. We're, but like know, in The Last Jedi, know. by the end, he's going to come around and save the day. Perhaps, yeah. perhaps 
maybe even sacrifice himself. Yes, maybe. Oh, that'd be a bummer. Oh boy. I have faith it'll come around. That that there, yeah. There's a loop so, that will close here. Yeah. yeah. Ultimate yeah. redemption arc. That yeah. that's kind of mm. yeah. That's how I maybe see he it. knows it's like an Obi Wan thing, where he knows that if he dies, he'll be more powerful than you could possibly ever imagine. Use oh. the slime, Luke. Use. Yes. <laughs> Let go. Be one with the ghosts. <laughs> That's a big Twinkie, mm. Luke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's not the ghost you're looking for. Mm. Move along. Move along. Move along. Uh, in an interview with Newsweek, Ackroyd shared that Frozen Empire will tackle themes like loss, betrayal, forgiveness, Star Wars parodies, even deeper <laughs> and more emotionally than previous films, continuing, quote, all that, along with some great scares and effects, it's really going to work, end quote. All right, hey. I'm right. excited. I'll, I'll be there. I'll see it. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Hey, and finally, this week in 1980s news, and as reported by Billboard, mm-hmm. uh, even if you don't know the name or backstory, you probably know this rhythm. Right. I mean, it's and not, so, not to suggest you might identify the song, John. No, no, no. But the first thing I thought, which is not this, is I yeah. heard I've heard that very rhythm in Shakira's "Hips Don't Lie." Absolutely, one hundred percent. If I can switch my screens fast enough, hey, I got a music one right. Yeah, there you Yay, go. Yeah. John. And so, what we're talking about can here is uh, what they call. Well, you listen to pretty much any like "Hips Don't Lie." If you listen mm-hmm. to pretty much any reggaeton song, you'll hear that infectious percussion, which has been dubbed mm. the dembo rhythm, and not like dembo bo. No. Different, <laughs> different than that. Yeah, it's not that either. Uh, that single key element, that beat there, a historian of the genre once wrote, quote, underpins the vast majority of reggaeton tracks as an almost required sonic signpost, end quote. And there was nothing controversial about this uh, until 2021 when lawyers for the Jamaican duo Steely and Cleavy, who are Cleveland mm-hmm. Cleavy Brown in the estate of the late Wycliffe Steely Johnson, filed a mm-hmm. copyright lawsuit over the rights of Dembo. I am such a musical ignoramus that in reading this yeah. article, I felt I was yeah. reading a musical Mad Libs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh-huh. It's like, give yes. me a goofy name for a song. Fish market. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Give me a silly name for a beat. Dimbo. Okay, great. <laughs> anyway, it was very confusing that. to me, but I paid attention. Yes. I love this. So, mm-hmm. so when this copyright lawsuit that I mentioned was first filed, the lawsuit targeted only two tracks and a few artists. But since then, the plaintiff's complaint now includes some 1,800 songs from more than 160 defendants, including Bad Bunny, Pitbull. What? These are contemporary artists, by the way, if mm. you don't recognize the names. Bad Bunny, Pitbull, Drake, and okay, Justin. that sounds like Mad Libs too. I know, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> give me a mythological creature. Bad Bunny, okay, give me. Uh, White Tiger. Plus, uh, in addition to these artists and many others, they also are suing units Wham. of all three major music companies. Uh, they claim that the songs they cite feature iterations of the Dembo that were illegally copied from Dembo. Steely and Cleavy's 1980 song, Fish Market. And then as a result, their clients deserve compensation. Now here's Fish Market. This is just a clip of it. Just so yeah. you can hear the Dembo rhythm in it. So I, I listened played to you this. just a moment ago. Wasn't I did. I had time for fish this. Market. <laughs> mm-hmm. Later on. <laughs> According to 
According to most experts, the story goes like this. Aspects of Fish Market were incorporated into a 1990 song called Dembo mm. by the artist Shaba Ranks. So Shaba Ranks took essentially Fish Market. <laughs> Every time John's like, I told you, it's just nonsense. He's just going to giggle his way through this. <laughs> What's the name of the group? The Beach Boys? No, Shaba Ranks. Shaba. <laughs> so Shaba Ranks uh, incorporated uh, aspects of a fish market into his 1990 song called Dembo. So that's where we get the fact that it's called Dembo. So he took okay. fish market, okay. added lyrics to it, including him saying Dembo, which now becomes Dembo. And so now we know the beat or that rhythm, that cadence as referred to as Dembo itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shaba's version then was reused by producer Dennis the Menace. I've seen his name two different ways, but Dennis Mens Thompson, I'll say, in another mm. 1990 song called, <laughs> John, I can't get John out of my head. As I read this, it just sounds like nonsense. Just keep going. <laughs> I know? mean, just listen to this. Dennis Menace Thompson wrote a, a 1990 song called Dub Mix 2, which is probably better known as, known as Pounder Rhythm. <laughs> Even the Dennis the Menace, it's uh, like, name a, a cartoon character. Cartoon yeah, character. Right. <laughs> Spell an animal backwards, right? It's like, what, is, what are these things? Anyway, so it's Pounder. So it's Pounder, Pounder. This, which which was, you know, folks, he, it's his interpretation of this Dembo rhythm, this uh, Dennis the Menace. It's Pounder that then gets sampled and interpolated by by some folks uh, estimation, hundreds, if not thousands of other tracks. So the idea, at least on one level is, these folks, Steely and Cleavy are saying, look, mm-hmm. we made this beat. This other guy created his own beat off of ours. Mm-hmm. Everybody either sampled us or sampled him. You all owe us money. That's, that's oh one element God. of it. It gets crazier <laughs> than that. Wow. But as a result, like I said, we've got hundreds, if not thousands of songs that get you know, pulled into this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I what, what's crazy to me is that this song, you know, this song that we're talking about, this beat here, that this, as far as we know, based on this lawsuit, can only be traced back to this 1989 song, Fish Market. That's mind-blowing to me. That, yes. That seems <laughs> so, uh, what's the word, indigenous to Jamaican uh-huh. culture uh-huh. and music uh-huh. and the uh-huh. island itself. <laughs> Or yes. or Latin songs, you know, like mm-hmm. Shakira, that I would have guessed it's been part of these cultures, you know, as Afro Caribbean mm-hmm. musical yeah. culture for hundreds of years. Yeah, yes. not forty. <laughs> so, not knowing much about my musical history, I wonder if it's like a wonder if it's like a taco situation, right? Like okay. what we think of hmm. as tacos here in North America is yeah. not Mexican tacos at all. Mm-hmm. But we associate, you know, the, the curved half moon, whatever thing, mm-hmm. hard shell, whatever, as a taco. Mm-hmm. That's not at all what a taco is if you're mm-hmm. from Mexico, right? But right. I right. wonder if if those sounds and rhythms are actually indigenous to the places we associate with them, or was, is it oh, a yeah. sound and a rhythm and a beat that was co-opted by that, those types of artists that we now associate mm-hmm. with the culture? I mean, it was the chicken or egg, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, is the easier way of saying all the garbage mm-hmm. I just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I follow you. It's a good thought, but mm-hmm. it's, it seems to be much simpler than that. I mean, if we just, even just look, so this is what happened. It's part of the lawsuit. I'll skip to the end first. I'll skip to the end and maybe I'll come back and tell you some other things. But so, mm-hmm. well, you know, let me tell you this part so I can get into it actually. So, mm-hmm. 
as I mentioned, so we've got sort of the basic premise of how we we get here, you know, 35 years later, whatever it is. Over the decades that followed, you know, the 89 fish market and then the 90 dub mix two slash pounder rhythm, uh, reggaeton as a genre blossomed into a global sensation. It has roots in in what's called uh, reggae en español, which was essentially Latin folks rapping over a beat like that, if not that uh-huh. beat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which exploded, you know, w- w- sorry, which evolved uh, with, you know, some Panamanian artists and ultimately with Puerto Rican trailblazers like Ivy Queen and DJ Nelson. And it exploded with Daddy Yankee's 2004 breakout single, Gasolina. Now, you're telling me in, only in 2004 that suddenly this becomes a phenomenon? This is like right. a Mandela thing for me. Wasn't this always around? Yeah. This beat? I mean, it, I think so. Yeah. I mean, this rhythm sounds Caribbean. It sounds island. It sounds something, right? That that kind of beat mm-hmm. or Latin, as you said. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, I can't imagine it started in 89. <laughs> right. So, and I yeah. know that they went to great lengths in this article to describe the exact, like detail, exactly what's happening in the beat with the, oh, this, then this, then this, then this, then this. Mm-hmm. But- Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, it just seemed uh, a bit much. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to copyright my painting. I want to copyright mm-hmm. my paint is what I'm hearing mm-hmm. here. That is mm-hmm. a color people use to create their own art with. It's so rudimentary. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like copywriting a snare hit. Well, that's mine. I own that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that yes. is something people use to make other ones. Yeah. As, as usual, John, you sort of boil it down to it's uh, what ultimately this comes down to. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a concept in copyright law, uh, which certainly it comes to me in the context of like films, television shows, where there's mm-hmm. this thing called, it's called like, it's a French phrase, sounds en fair. It looks like scenes, oh. scenes in fair. Okay. And the okay. idea is that there's certain tropes you can't copyright. Mm-hmm. So like uh, having a meat cute in a coffee shop. I can't, well, I did that in my film in 1980. You can't have your meat cute in a coffee shop. No, mm-hmm. what the law says is, look, like you're saying, John, that is a basic building block that is now used to make something that mm-hmm. is copyrightable. Yeah. When you mm-hmm. get more specific with the dialogue, the characters' names, that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah and that in that way, yes. And that's ultimately what the, uh, like the attorneys for for Bad Bunny, for example, uh, Kenneth Freundlich uh, said, mm-hmm. well, first two things. One, he said, and again, so here I've got I've got one of um, the Bad Bunny songs, and I'm not familiar with this artist, but he's incredibly popular. He was rumored to be able to to be playing a Marvel or DC superhero. I don't know if that fell through or not. Hmm. Oh, um, okay. but last year, Bad Bunny's Un Verano Sin Ti became the first Latin album to finish as the number one Billboard 200 album of the year. Hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the songs, or I think he's got three in this lawsuit, but one of the songs, let's see, what is it called? I got it here. Uh, it's called like uh, Titi Me Pregunto. Here's this song. Now, I'm going to play you this clip here and see if you can hear the Dembo uh, rhythm okay. in the background. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's, I mean, you can't avoid it. It's, no. Yeah. So this is one of the songs that is that uh, uh, Steely and Cleve have, have named in their lawsuit as having stolen from them. Now, Freundlich, Bad Bunny's uh, lawyer, says, wait a second. He did not use a sample of your song or right. Pounder, which sampled. He didn't use any samples of your song. It's not a sample. So that goes out the window. So then the next question gets like what John's saying. And the plaintiffs are arguing, okay, that's fine. He didn't sample it. But the beat, he matches the rhythm that boom, chick, chick, boom, chick, chick. <laughs> and that is what is original and was created by 
stealing mm-hmm. and cleavy. But if I'm okay. performing it, is it not a cover of that rhythm now? <laughs> that I'm incorporating it into my even, track? It's not it's yours. It's not even an interpolation, right? It's, no. It's, or is, is it? No. It, well, I guess you could say it's an interpolation in some sense, except okay. for the fact that mm. generally, like we talked about, this is a building block. Right. So we don't even think right. of it generally as a, in copyright terms like that as being sampled, yeah. interpolated, infringed upon. Doesn't mm. even yeah. get, doesn't even rise there, except for I guess yeah. this court case will test it. I don't yes. think this is going to go very far because I hope not. You would because basically, like the the standard like four on the floor rhythm that's used in dance music, you know, this would be crippling, mm, crippling to creativity. Oh my gosh. Mm. Yeah, all right. Suddenly, you can't make dance music anymore. Suddenly, you know, <laughs> it would just yeah, yeah. So that yeah, it would, it would stifle creativity. Yeah. Uh, for his part, U.S. District Judge uh, Andre Barote, maybe Barote Jr., was interested in the question of whether prior art uh, was was something they should discuss. So this gets to the sort of, I think, the final thing, meaning mm-hmm. whether or not this rhythm existed prior to Fish Market, mm-hmm. which is yeah. the mind-blowing part to me. So we, we said, did they right. copy directly? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, did they imitate it? Yes. Can is yeah. it is it copyrightable? Probably not. But even mm-hmm. let's let's say it is. Did they mm-hmm. really create it, or are they just doing mm-hmm. what was right? Right. And the plaintiffs yeah. say, no, no, no. They created it. But and I thought this was interesting. <gasps> the judge said, "quote How do you distinguish this, if at all, from the traditional dance hall rhythms, referring to the Jamaican sound, mm-hmm. used uh-huh. since I was a kid in reggae?" This is the judge. Mm-hmm. There we go. The there we go. They got the yeah. right judge. Yeah. He says, if you go on the streets of Jamaica, big speakers, same beat. Again, I was a college party music DJ. I had probably hundreds. Hopefully this is beyond the statute of limitations. This is the judge still talking, by the way. Hundreds of CDs from the streets of New York and New Jersey with literally the same rhythm running for 45 minutes. (laughs) That's what gives me hope about this. (laughs) Well, yeah. Now, I guess for their part, the plaintiffs did not budge. They still insist that their clients uh, created this rhythm or rhythm. Well, they have nothing to lose, right? If they're proven wrong, oh, well, the court fees. If they're proven right, they stand to make bajillions of money, dollars, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're not. I don't think this is going to go very far. I mean, they they, they first filed the suit, I think, in 2021. So it's been around Mm -hmm. for a while. Uh, Mm -hmm. They they just had hearings on it just, uh, I think, a month or two ago. So, yeah. But- um, yeah, my point being, they're not going to go, oh, my bad. Never mind, judge. Right? <laughs> yeah, oh, right. They're going to double down, right. of course. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> anyway, there you go. I thought that's fascinating. Again, it's going to rule against that. us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? This is, this is just 35 years old or? No. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be crazy. They're just putting the the proof of. They're putting the burden of proof of someone to prove that it was extant yeah. before they did it because they happen to have a recording with a certain date on it. But yeah, it's, it sounds right. like they have a judge who's like, mm, I don't know, you guys kind of acting a fool. Mm. <laughs> You're just kind of goofy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Maybe they were the first ones to have a song with that beat be so popular or, you know, or the popular mm-hmm. song was popular and it happened to have that beat. Yeah. Or to have been copyrighted, perhaps. Who knows, right? <laughs> maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Still, they didn't make that, it. it. It was the yeah. building block, like we said. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Nope. All right. Hey, and that's good news again, because it'll keep uh, the channels of creativity flowing. Mm-hmm. Hey, so that was 1980s news. 
So, hey, like we've been doing on uh, these uh, every other week's uh, beginning of an update on the progress of my uh, 1980s novel as I mm-hmm. r- write some additional material that was absolutely necessary to have a complete, st- more complete story, more comprehensive story, cohesive mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess a few updates as we near the end of the year, which was my goal of having these sections written. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things have happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, here's the bad news. Unfortunately, two of the guests that were definitely coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not, you know, or don't see it on anymore. Yeah. yeah. But it's fine. I, I'm not chasing after people. I'm not chasing mm-hmm. people anymore. Not yeah. about this. Uh, the, the good news is though, so I ran into a little bit of a stumble and these sort of things have been happening because as I try to flesh out, which is essentially a flashback in a novel that's already set in the 1980s. So that flashes mm-hmm. back to the 1960s. Um, I had to do some research on things because I just didn't know. And we've talked about some of these things as we go. And something came up as simple as, you, you, you might not consider this, if you were writing about a culture with which you had, you know, great familiar, familiar, familiar that you were familiar with. <laughs> that works You too. wouldn't think of this as an issue, but since this is a, this flashback part at least is set in the 1960s in a specific state, in a specific city in India, mm-hmm. the country of India, yeah. Uh, it's very particular. And as we talked a couple of weeks ago, you know, with, they've got issues of maybe not caste, but certainly social, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and eco- social, economic, different strata that separate uh, groups, religion, et cetera, and so on. So when mm-hmm. I was doing these segments uh, set in the 1960s about these families, I had a couple different uh, scenes that were set at homes. So the question mm-hmm. is like, yeah. where do they live? Home life. What does that look like? You know, and you can, you can take guesses, but I guarantee there's a good percentage. You may not be right because of how diverse those areas Mm -hmm. were and may still be to some extent Mm -hmm. um, that all these things come into play. And so I got kind of frozen, honestly, and I started writing around it, which I don't like doing because Mm -hmm. sort of my style of writing is straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of linear going through the, what, what happened and I'm not telling you something that other, a technique that's, you know, so groundbreaking, but for me, when I have a general idea of how characters behave and what the goals are in a certain scene, I just sort of see it and write Mm -hmm. it down as if watching a movie, you know, and seeing it play out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't get past certain things because I didn't even know what the inside of this apartment looked like, you know, or maybe it's not an apartment, maybe it's a house. So let me ask you this, Will. So I'm really, I'm really curious. So not artistically, not creatively, but pragmatically. Yeah. Do you look back now at the book you have built and does any part of you regret setting it in something with which you are so unfamiliar or was that so, or was that so germane to the topic of the book that it was irreplaceable? Yeah. The second thing. Absolutely. No, I have no regrets about it. And look, I've got other stories I want to tell if I ever get through this one. And those are more, Mm -hmm. maybe more simple in that sense. Not in India. <laughs> not in India, not in the, not okay. decades ago. Okay. Not across the globe. Well, well yeah. maybe not, you know, in the 1960s, at least they're probably mm-hmm. decades mm-hmm. ago. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I never regretted it. And, and it's this kind of thing, John, and I, maybe you have this experience when you even create your videos for your YouTube channel, which you f- folks should check out at Gen X Grown Up, that mm-hmm. you have a vision for how it should be. And mm-hmm. that's it. You now have to, you, you, now look, you'll be flexible. You're not going to just, you know, sort of just force these pieces to fit together, artistically speaking, but- you have a general idea. And then the thing that you work, you do sort of serves that, you know, yeah. and it may come yeah, out absolutely. looking differently, mm-hmm. but that's the goal. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. whatever my brain, soul, et cetera, decided was the story. 
everything sort of just became had having to excise that, you know, from my yeah. okay. consciousness. Anyway. I love the hand motions for your brain. <laughs> and I love <laughs> and I love That's brain puzzles. Waves. I really brain waves. I really do yeah. love puzzles. So mm-hmm. now here's the good news about I tell you all this to tell you the good news. Okay. So I got a little bit hung Ooh. up on this this thing because I know what I want to have happen in the scene. I have a general sense of the dialogue. I know the beginning, middle, end of this particular last bit that I have to write to be done with this mm-hmm. with my goal for this year. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I told you, I've been getting hung up on these little details because I want to paint the picture as I write. I don't like to go mm-hmm. back and fill it in. It feels yeah. Quarter, yeah. kind of contrived then. And yeah. just a few days ago in researching, well, where do these people live? I came across a professor and I don't know mm-hmm. that she wants to be giving out any specifics about her necessarily, but a, prof- a university professor mm-hmm. here in the United States who's written books and done lectures on like where people lived in the 1940s through today in <laughs> India <laughs> based co- on their co- economic co- and financial Ooh. and religious. Just what you needed. So I, so I wrote her an email <laughs> and oh. we're going to talk in a couple of days, okay, but even nice. immediately just in our exchange, she started giving me ideas and considerations that mm-hmm. I would not mm-hmm. have otherwise found you know, with any level of practical research that I could do online. Like literally wow. consider it, they might live in a place like this and here's a link. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. No, there's you know? a start. Yeah. yeah. From blank so, slate so cool. to now I have a fuzzy vision. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so, great. Uh, yes. If I, and I'm talking to her in a couple of days after I know this yeah. one bit, I think the, I have the complete picture mm-hmm. and oh. sort of, I can, again, I have a sense of what the shape of the thing. I know exactly the shape of the thing. So, at the risk of raising yeah. the ire of mm-hmm. super fan of 1980s <laughs> now, Miss So, yes. I am going to oh. talk about numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here comes the smackdown. All right. So, <laughs> no, it, this is. No, you're getting smackdown. <laughs> I oh, will. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, I will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought, right. Right. I'm not smacking okay. anybody down. So, last you time we spoke, you felt you were at about 93% completion. Um, I'm I'm going to go ahead and, and, and take the take the pressure off. My expectation is that you likely will not complete by the end of the year, which is okay. That was your goal. Um, you know, this is, this is not a business where there are substantial penalties for delivering late, right? So, <laughs> so we, we kind of had on target about two, about a percent a week you were working on. You gained some yeah. velocity last time we spoke. You're up to 93%, which is still behind your target, but gaining ground. Mm-hmm. You have a, have a feeling for... Like I, what I hear you saying is you lost some ground and then you made up some, maybe not the ground yet, but you've gotten some speed back under you because yeah. you have a path. You have a feeling of where you are? Mm-hmm. Can you put a tangible number on it? I suppose so. And I think that, you know, to the extent that you're, 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 we're, we're, you know, turning this into quantifying this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been basing it on content production, you know? So okay. the fact that I spent days researching this and only found this professor after, you know, a few days of researching, the fact that my word count hasn't gone up, Mm-hmm. That means my percentage hasn't gone up for me, you know, mm. as much significantly. But so, is that all you're mm-hmm. basing it on, really? I mean, because I, I, I'm not telling you how to do it, but I mean, do you yeah. feel that the percentage has not changed, even though you have no, no, gained no, ground? No, no, I think it has changed, just okay, not good, significantly. Good, good. I think, I, so. I, think okay. I think maybe I would mm-hmm. say another percentage, yeah, maybe that's 94%. Fine. Sure. Okay. That said, having the information I have with her, I think mm-hmm. will allow me to leap through, mm. you know, several percentage points in a sense. Mm-hmm. Will sure. I hit a hundred yeah. by the end of the year? I, I don't know. But well, the holidays are coming up. We knew that was coming. That's always yeah, something you I, have to expect and plan for. And, yeah. 
Yeah, but but I am so close. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, yes, all right. I've got this this passage I need to write that's going to be several pages long. But yeah. once I have this, that's it, yeah. pretty much as far as what I wanted to accomplish. I got more so, work to do next. Well, let me say something good about the numbers. Even though I'm hearing in your voice that you feel you feel disappointed that you didn't get as much done as you would like to have in the block that you had, and you just that you're just getting that hurdle cleared. You're only three percent behind where you would have liked to have been right now. It's not like you're twenty percent mm-hmm. off, you know. It's like right, you know. Yeah. So that you're really only about three weeks off of your anticipated target, which is not even another month away beyond your initial goal. So mm-hmm. I think this yeah. is not like it's pushed out into fall, right? <laughs> fall next year. No. It's pushed out a few <laughs> weeks, maybe. So I think you're uh, you're mm-hmm. making good progress, and you were ahead of speed last time, so it's kind of evens out here. So, yeah. And so since we're only meeting one more time this year, I may have mm-hmm. to give you as best as an update I can as next time. And then, okay. yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. on social media or otherwise, we'll post, we'll I'll just, post something that lets we'll circle back and I figure it out in the new down. year. See where we're at. Yeah. 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 Or maybe you'll allow me to call you and just do a little update. You know? <laughs> just a little hey. video. You drop it as a bonus I'll, episode. On, New, <laughs> on New Year's Eve, we'll do it. Oh, I'll have yes. to midnight, John. I'm going to be like... <laughs> <laughs> You got to get it done. You got 45 minutes. Go. Get her, get her done. You just, I want to have you just on a big screen, just watching. Judge you. <laughs> Judgmentally. <laughs> hey, uh, that, for, at least for now, today is our show. And our show is brought to you, thanks in part, to our early adopters yep. like Rick Parker Rick. and Karen Fleener. Thank you. And thank you especially to our secret of our success level Patreon supporters like Brandon Greer, oh, Brandon. Marcus Taylor, oh, Tony Great, Great, Nick Guillory, oh, Nick. Matt Marino, the owl. and John Henderson. John. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. That was great. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Guy, <laughs> for your... Guys, for your wonderful support of our show. Uh, these are the folks that we named that, uh, you know, not only uh, listen to us every week, but dig into their pockets. Mm-hmm. Send us mm-hmm. a dollar or two or more, in many cases, more uh, to help us pay the bills associated with the show. If you're able to do that, please visit us at 1980snow.com mm-hmm. slash support. There's a bunch of ways you could do it, including just going to Patreon and giving us money. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't do that, there's some other free ways there listed as well, including just sending us an email, making a comment, just subscribing on YouTube. Uh, yes. Here, we've got a, here's some examples. We've got another message from our, our mm. one of our favorites, a Miss So, uh, mm-hmm. writing with regard to our last week's uh, episode about the Christmas wish books that was uh, produced in part, certainly by Marcus Taylor, our, our good buddy, mm-hmm. and a very smart, creative I don't know if I said enough. The observations that Marcus wrote down when doing this research, just so clever mm-hmm. and smart. Ooh. And, you know, mm-hmm. some of them I used and took mm-hmm. credit for. And other ones inspired me to think of things in another way. It was really great. Anyway, Miss So is also grateful. She writes, I want to thank Marcus as the, quote, fourth member of the podcast. Really enjoyed his idea for this show. It was a lot of fun. You three goofballs already had me long ago, so just wanted to give Marcus some kudos, too. (laughs) Now, regarding the catalogs that we talked about, uh, Miss So also writes, quote, my brother and I would circle all the toys we wanted, tear out the pages, and hand them to our mom, end quote. So that's how they did it. Not like John's mm. uh, oak tag, as well as we called it oh. in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. <laughs> Big giant poster. Uh, let's see. Also with regard to that episode, Nate writes, did you guys have service merchandise in New Jersey? Right. Oh. We did. I, 
We did. Did you have that? Oh, yeah. Wow. It was a catalog you'd get and it had a number of different items in it. But yeah. uh-huh. the one I remember most was they had electronics. So that was another yeah. chance to look at electronic gear. So yeah. Service merchandise's big deal was that after you bought it, it would come rolling down the conveyor belt. No? I, I have you ever bought from service merchandise that? in person at a physical store? Oh, no. I didn't even know. I thought oh, it was just no. mail order. Oh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. We had physical ones in Florida. Uh, oh, and so, yeah, right. you, you bought it and you just got the tag and you saw what you wanted. And then you waited by the checkout. And you mm-hmm. know the, uh, the con- not a conveyor belt, but the, but the, wheels, the racks the of little rolly. steel wheels. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, like, I can still picture, like, an Atari product rolling up the service awesome. merchandise track because you mm-hmm. get to watch it and it comes out of the little, the rubber flaps that keep the air conditioning in, you know. <laughs> yes. It's like a, a luggage return at the airport. Yes. Yeah. So, that's a big part of service merchandise. I didn't oh, my know gosh. That. Yeah. I would have enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it added yeah. some drama to your shopping. Yeah. It's like winning a slot machine. Or yeah. Yeah. Here comes the prize. Yeah. Uh, and finally, with regard to that episode, Kathleen wrote, it was awesome to be the first one home and get first look. Oh. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I kind of remember we, my sister and I don't think we cut stuff out. I think we just wrote stuff down. Mm-hmm. Is what yeah. I remember. So there was no issue with folks tearing out pages. And now I you don't know, cabbage patches on the back of star Wars or something, you know, that didn't happen. <laughs> I think I remember I used to put the product and then I would put yeah. page, whatever it like P one twenty five, <laughs> Right. You just yes. reminded oh me of that. Yeah. Yeah. And a, no one is surprised. That well, John it's as a, is as a convenient service, you know, so to be oh, certain it's the yeah. thing on this page. John also told uh, his uh, parents uh, at the end of Christmas Eve what percentage of presents they purchased him from his list. There was a spreadsheet. So your goal was 100%. Uh, you got the oak tag here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, mom gratefully marked off a bunch of the ones that she bought, so it makes it real easy to do the math. Let's see. That's 8 out of 10, 80%. That's a fail. That's a, that's fail. a C Christmas right there. There you go, mom. Try again next year. Ouch. Woo. Oops the table. Man. Eggnog flies everywhere. I was either the last one home or somebody was hiding the, this book from me Is that, that I never, oh, got, you never got it. Oh, <laughs> you know, I didn't even think of that cat. We should ask your siblings about We should ask your sister. We should right. ask your sister yeah. about that. We should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to mm-hmm. do some research over the holiday. I'll do a little. That's interesting. Detective wow. work. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did you have a fireplace in your home? I could also see her just, I don't know her well enough, but I, I, I get a sense enough that she would just take her throat in the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> That's possible. Now nobody could see it. No joke. A wood burning stove mm-hmm. was our source of heat in our house until I left for college. <laughs> might have been, might yeah, have there been you go. Oh, or maybe it was just a necessity. You're right. It was cold. You're right. <laughs> Went with yeah. the service cat, uh, service merchandise catalog. Yeah, yeah. All the paper uh-huh. was, uh, yeah. yeah, not for looking. Nope. <laughs> Only for burning. <laughs> looking paper. We got your looking paper and your burning paper. Now we got your toilet paper, your TP we got over your out- here. Outhouse paper. <laughs> yeah, three kinds of paper. Did you have a wood burning stove in the outhouse cat as well? Ooh. Mm. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> what did it burn? You don't wanna, yeah, wait you're talking before or after? <laughs> you can't do it after, John. No. It just vaporizes <laughs> then. Vaporizes. It just, yeah. <laughs> I guess you just watch the smokestack on the outhouse. <laughs> Occupied. <laughs> and it's like a new pope's been chosen. It turns blue or something. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 
occupied. <laughs> Cat's eating her fiber. Yeah, there you go. All the fiber she asked for is from Santa. <laughs> it's a, a post-Christmas movement. <laughs> Fa la 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 la. Yeah. La la la. I mm-hmm. ate the tree I asked for. Oh. <laughs> there you go. That's a good got source. Mark. Pine needles in my teeth. Mm-hmm. Not the uh. pink green cookies. <laughs> All right. Hey, folks, uh, we will talk to you uh, next time on 1980s. <laughs> Right? Till next time. <laughs> Dimbow. <Dim-bow. laughs>